Welcome to episode 110 of the Night Shift. Knights are heading back to the playoffs. This is something that's been happening since 2000, 2001, and now it becomes the second longest streak in OHL history. We'll talk about who has the longest streak and how long it actually is. The Knights are there for the 23rd straight season. It happened when Flint and Sarnia skated off the ice in Flint on Wednesday night because one of them had to lose. Sarnia did in a shootout, but it was enough to say one of these teams cannot catch the London Knights, and now the Knights are in the postseason. My name is Mike Stubbs. Along with Kyle Grimard, you can find Kyle on socials at Kyle, G-R-I-M-A-R-D, Kyle Grimard, and you can find me at Stubbs980. We have three games in four days to get to. We're going to talk about what it's like to see Bumper Bonk t-shirts everywhere because that Bumper Bonk position has turned Oliver Bonk into the top power play goal scorer in the Ontario Hockey League. And then we'll close out the podcast today with a conversation that we had with Rick Nash who came into the OHL at the same time as Logan Hunter and stayed close friends with Logan Hunter all of their lives. Logan, of course, passed away at the age of 39. But Rick has a lot of stories to come about Logan and about his time with the Knights and about how he's doing with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Back with the Blue Jackets, and the Blue Jackets have just made some front office changes, replaced um, general manager, Yarmo Kekalainen. So, hockey world, Kyle, there's always something happening. Gosh, is there ever, whether it's news on the development of player safety, whether it's, you know, hirings, trades, whatever the case may be. It's been a uh, very busy week in that regard. And the Knights are not short in that department as well. A lot going on with them. And it, I think it's always fun clinching a uh, either a division or a playoff spot in a situation where you don't actually have to do anything in that process. And that's exactly what happened with the London Knights. Always fun. It just, every time you say it, Mike, 23 straight years, it's, it is staggering to believe, especially in junior hockey, that a team can remain that consistent in postseason play in, you know, playing late into a year in meaningful hockey games is just, it's staggering. You don't see this at the pro level. You never, never see it at the junior level. And the Knights have just been on this crazy run whether that is in part to the coaching, the management, the player development, whatever the case may be, it's it's pretty remarkable to watch. You're not supposed to do it. You're supposed nope. to rebuild and then be a good team and then go for it. And sometimes that's in a three-year span. Sometimes that's in a four- or five-year span. But that's it. It is cyclical. And yet the cycle just keeps the Knights at the top. Comes down to drafting and developing. We've talked about it. It's hard to do one of those well. It's relatively impossible to do both of those well. The Knights continue to do both of those very well. So congratulations to Mark Hunter and Dale Hunter and their staffs because that's what has this happening. And then, of course, congratulations to the players because they're the ones that go out and do it. And we've got to actually credit at Rubbers29 because he had tweeted, Hey, OHL Hockey, are you going to give the London Knights their X for clinching the first playoff spot after this win? And that was after Sunday's game 
in Oshawa because he went on to say Flint and Sarnia can reach 79 points, but they play each other four times, which means only one of them will get the 79 points. Best they can do combined is 79 and 78. And then sure enough, one game into those four matchups head to head. And all of a sudden it's the Knights officially clinching a spot. But at Rubbers 29 had that even before it actually took place on paper. So well done doing the math. Knights are there, and that means that the London Knights are now tied with the Oshawa Generals, who went from 1978 to 2000. They are tied with the Plymouth Whalers and Detroit Whalers because they were the Detroit Junior Whalers at first. In fact, they were the Detroit Junior Red Wings for a second in this too. But from 1992 to 2014, and then the Guelph Storm went from 93 to 2015. All four of those clubs, with the London Knights included, went on 23-year streaks into the postseason. So where's number one? Well, still a few years ahead. The Peterborough Peets qualified for the OHL playoffs for 27 straight seasons. In fact, at the beginning, it was the Ontario Major Junior Hockey League that they were qualifying for in playoffs. And that was from 1976-77 to 2002-2003. So that is the record, 27. But the Knights sit in a four-way tie for second all-time at 23 consecutive seasons. It really is remarkable. And, you know, the streak continues for the Knights. And the busy play continues for them as well as they go into a very busy weekend, a family day weekend with three games in a four-day span, kicking off against the Sioux Greyhounds on Friday. There is a lot to be talked about. Another matchup, Mike, that, you know, early in the season when Saginaw came to town, a lot of people had that game circled on their on their calendars. The Knights and, and Kitchener Rangers, when they played, in, you know, a couple games in a very short span, a lot of people were highlighting that week, week and a half or so. And I think a lot of people are doing that because the Sioux Greyhounds have been playing some really, really good hockey. They are right up there with the London Knights in terms of standings. Another kind of measuring stick matchup game as both teams playing really well. Very intriguing to see how both teams come out and who, you know, London and the Sioux always play very tight games, even with players missing, for example, back at the World Juniors when when the London Knights were missing a couple of players, they went to the Sioux. It was still a 5-4 game that could have been a 5-5 game, so I anticipate and expect another tight matchup for two very well-structured and very well-coached teams. You bet. And the Greyhounds are 8-3 and three in their last 11, and one of the things that they did at the deadline, they really added to their depth. And you start looking at their lines. We talk about how the Knights roll lines at you. The Greyhounds have that ability, too. So they ended up with a 5-4 victory over the Sudbury Wolves on Wednesday, but you look at the way that they put themselves together. you got Bryce McConnell-Barker, who is an outstanding player, He's from London, former fourth overall pick in the OHL selection of the Greyhounds. And he's up there with overager Jack Beck, who the Greyhounds got from Ottawa. And then Gavin Hayes, who they picked up from Flint. That is a tough top line. And then next up, you have somebody who really got on the radar after being hurt a lot last year. He played for Team Canada, Owen Allard. And Owen Allard winds up centering Justin Dezotti. And on the other side, you've got Justin Cloutier, who's just uh, a guy who buzzes around all over the place. And then you look at the third line that they have. It's another Londoner and Jordan Dentino who can play the game any way you want to. And then you add in Jacob Frasco, 
last year had some really good success against the Knights. He had two goals and an assist in three games. And Julian Fantino's on that line. They've got a really deep defense. The I guess the the shot of R2 Karki is something you have to watch for. He's a Vegas Golden Knights draft pick. But the Greyhounds have been known as a team, Kyle, that fly up and down the ice. That if they get the puck in transition, sometimes one defenseman will join the rush. Sometimes both will. And that's been a lot of what they've played for a while. But we talked with Knights assistant coach Dylan Hunter about this, and he pointed out that the Greyhounds of late – have changed their style. You know, they're always high-flying, but they've done a really good job of keeping layers above the puck. So they'll take off on you. So any kind of turnovers or mishandles in their zone, they'll, they'll for sure stretch the zone and take off. But they ha- they're not as run and gun as they used to be. They, they've they kind of toned it down a little bit and played a lot more structured. And look at the results that they wind up well, They've been outstanding. They've been outstanding. It's worked really well for them. It was a good adjustment on their part. And then another trip back to Owen Sound to take on the attack on a Saturday night. How much do you pay attention to what's happening there yet? Uh, I mean, as coaches, obviously, you're planning. Uh, for the players, you just want to keep them focused on, you know, the first, you know, 60 minutes, 60 minutes uh, each game. But, I mean, th- again, another game that we didn't come out very well. Yeah, we, you know, we clawed our way back. But, uh, you know, we tell our guys, you know, we don't want to be in that situation. It's just expect it. You know, you got to be above it. And there, it's always been a hard barn for us to play in. So a lot of talk this week about the start. That's correct. <laughs> How much is there still a bit of a buzz from what happened in Oshawa around this team? I, you know what? It was a great game to watch. I had a text from Freds as a coach. Uh, we weren't very happy with how we started the first 30 minutes. I thought Oshawa got the upper hand, obviously, on us. But, you know, statement win for our guys, knowing that we're, we're, we never really are out of it. Don't want to put ourselves in that position, but uh, gives them confidence knowing that we can claw back. You've been on teams like that, where that belief is there. It doesn't matter how much time is left i mean we can go back to how many games in 0405 there's one where you guys came back against kitchener to to hit 31 games unbeaten in 31 and i think you threaded a pass through to shrimpy in the slot and he did what he did but the idea that you have the the belief that that exists does that exist within every team or is that something that maybe is a little special no, I mean, yeah, it's rare for sure. It doesn't come around all the time. I mean, you can have really good teams and not have that air about you. I, I think it comes with depth. You know, a guy like Holt's coming in with three points and, you know, making plays all by himself. And the next game, it could be a Barky or a Cowboy or it could be a Sim. Or, you know, it, it kind of makes it so you can't really match up as another team, which makes it difficult. London Knights assistant coach Dylan Hunter. So, yeah, going back to the ability of the London Knights to always be in games, even when they didn't feel they started well. And as he said, yeah, the start is something they've been stressing. And we're going to hear that from Oliver Bonk in just a little bit, where they have been able to win games, but the game in Owen Sound, they fell behind 3-1. They came back and won that. The game against Oshawa, they came back and won that. You don't want to do that to yourself too many times, but it's been impressive to see how they've been able to come back. And as Dylan Hunter called it, rare. That's a that's a rare quality, but you don't want to play with fire too much. And so I expect to see the Knights come out really well against Sault Ste. Marie and really fast, really hard maybe. This is going to be one of those games. Think about the game against Saginaw that Saginaw had an excellent first shift, created a scoring chance. Michael Simpson made a good save. And the Knights looked at that and thought, okay, this is the level they can play at. Let's see how high we can get. And the Knights out-physicaled them the rest of the way and ended up with a 6-1 win in that game. The Greyhounds are a tough team. This is a scary playoff matchup because they play really well at home, but we outline their depth. And they've got 
great defense that can add offense and their goaltending has been solid. So this is one of those games that is a pure, put this down, like you said, Kyle, this is a game where you want a measuring stick. You want to see where you sit against another club that you could wind up in a best of seven with. Here it comes. That's the way the weekend starts. It is. And, you know, the the first two matchups in the year, Mike, both at the Sioux. So Sioux having the home ice advantage. I wonder what the game will be like in London for this matchup. Uh, London has done a very good job in these kind of measuring stick matchups and coming out and playing very well. They've done it. They did it three straight times against the Rangers. They did it, like you said, against Saginaw. And I'm very intrigued to see how they come out against the Sioux. But like you said, changing of their style a little bit. Very tough team. Added some depth. They were one of those teams that really did you know, add on, on a few different layers. So that'll be a lot of fun. Then they get ready, Mike, to go on the road Saturday again for another date against the Owen Sound Attack. They've been playing some really good hockey late. Colby Barlow has been on absolute fire as of late as well. Mike, I feel like the, the big question everyone's going to ask you is, is the door fixed yet? Because the last time the Knights were there, that was the big talking point after the game. Please, please tell me <laughs> that the door has been fixed. The door that saw Madden Steen fall through it. I'm sure it has. I haven't heard anything more about the door in a long time. So the Owen Sound attack since the London Knights came back and beat them in a shootout in Owen Sound. That door, remember, broke. They had to get somebody to fix it. You had nine minutes and two seconds to go in the third period. Knights were down 3-1. That seemed to give them an opportunity to compose themselves. Easton Cowan came out, and Easton Cowan scored a goal. And that was 44 seconds after play resumed. And then Oliver Bonk tied it late, and Denver Barkey won it in the shootout. So since then, the attack have still been picking up points. They have two wins, and they also have an overtime loss to Saginaw. And they almost won that game. And then they have a loss to the Windsor Spitfires, which was an odd one, but sometimes that will happen where they gave up seven goals. So the attack, 2-1-1 one, and one, since the last meeting between themselves and the Knights. And this will be the final trip that the Knights have into Owen Sound. And who knows, that could be a first round or second round, or that could be a playoff matchup. I still think Owen Sound is a team that, even though they will be an underdog in the standings in the first round of the playoffs, I think whoever plays them will have to watch out because they're one of those teams you point at and say, you want to see an upset? These guys could make it happen. Right now, Mike, the Owen Sound Attack sitting in fifth in the Western Conference. They've distanced themselves a little bit between them and seventh, which would be eerie. But if the playoffs were to start today, it would be the London Knights taking on the Flint Firebirds. So that would be the matchup right now. And uh, Owen Sound has eight points uh, on Flint. So it would take some sort of switch in that regard for that to happen. But nevertheless, no, they are a team that you don't necessarily want to run into, but it's always a little bit of a scary thing. And, you know, the Knights finish off the, uh, the weekend set on a holiday Monday family day against the Windsor Spitfires. Mike, the Knights have had some pretty good success against them so far this year. They have. They've had a 10-7 win. They had a 5-1 win recently. And Windsor is that younger, growing team. You just have to keep your head. And you have to make sure that you play and not give them too many chances because they still have guys who can put the puck in the net. We mentioned their 7-4 win over Owen Sound. It's hard to score seven goals against Owen Sound. Windsor managed to do it. And if we look at the schedules for everybody else, Owen Sound will be taking on Brantford the night before the Knights get them. So both teams will be on back-to-backs. And then the Windsor Spitfires have 
a game against Sault Ste. Marie on Sunday afternoon, and then they will come into London. So they're at home to the Sioux, and then they come into London on Monday. So they're on a back-to-back. So the Knights, as much as they're playing three games in four days, it isn't too bad because they're not seeing anybody that's on any great rest at all. And let's face it, they went into Owen Sound. The attack had been waiting since Wednesday to play them, and the Knights still walked out with two points. So that's the way the schedule works coming into this weekend. Let's talk about and talk with Oliver Bonk. There are Bumper Bonk t-shirts that you will see around Budweiser Gardens, and they refer to Oliver Bonk setting up in that bumper position in the slot on the power play He now has more power play goals than anybody else in the OHL. As a defenseman, incredible. And Oliver Bonk is somebody we were able to sit down with to talk about that, what what it's been like to have the kind of season where someone makes T-shirts to recognize what you are doing. Yeah, it's definitely really, really special. Like it's a cool experience to to be around all of them, be a part be a part of some of it. So let's talk about what that particular position is. The bumper position. Do you guys actually call it that? Yeah, we do. Especially now that that I've been playing it the whole year, they call it the bumpa with no R. So it's just bumpa. Okay, and that means you're in the slot. So what what is your goal? What are you looking for? Separation between the defenseman in front, or are you looking to to wrestle a little bit in front? Uh, you're kind of just looking at any guy that has a puck on our flanks or anything like that, like be an outlet for him. So kind of just like a, uh, you're trying to be a couple a couple meters away from all your teammates, like whoever has a puck at at that moment. And then once it goes down to Jules, like you're just trying to find a gap to get open. And then the idea is get that puck off your stick as fast as possible. Is that something you've worked on much in your life? Uh, not re- not like until this year. Then this year we started practicing a lot. Obviously, once you start scoring, you want to practice even more. So this year we've been working hard on it, but haven't really never did that like growing up or anything. So so just kind of a natural talent that you've all of a sudden said, "Hey, look what I can do." Yeah, it's it's not too hard when you're that close, but like definitely like working on it helps what's it been like putting up the goals that you have because your job hasn't always been in life to score goals this year lead the league in power play goals uh yeah it's fun like especially when you have a power play like that like everyone can move around everyone it makes it really fun to fun to be out there with the guys so it's really a special special experience this year we gotta ask you about oshawa is it still reverberating a little bit around the room what you guys were able to do on sunday yeah, it was great. We played terrible for 40 minutes, and then we turned it on for 20 minutes, and we, we, we were able to come back. So everyone was really happy with uh, the, able to, like, the ability to come back, but we weren't very happy with how we played the first couple periods. So Good luck this weekend. Thank you. Oliver Bonk, five goals in his last five games. Oshawa held him and the Knights' power play off the board in the game that they played on February 11th. But other than that, he's been finding a way to score one, sometimes even two goals per game. What a season for Oliver Bonk, because Kyle, he's known for what he does in his own zone to add this element. Oliver even admitted this isn't something he's ever really practiced, but it works. Well, yeah, and you know, just if you want to go back to a year ago, Mike, you know, he had a very good season in his draft eligible year in 67 games. He had 40 points and put up 10 goals. But what a jump so far this year in 23 less games. He has more than doubled his goal total and has six more assists than he did all of last year. Now, part of that has to do with, you know, you get elevated in the lineup. He's being used on the power play a little bit more in all situations. Logan May, who was a member of this group last year, who was a very good offensive player. And now that opportunity comes to a player like Bonk. But 
it's one thing to get those opportunities, Mike. It's another one to not only thrive in them, but capitalize to the extent that he has to the point where now he's got a nickname because of how many he's put away on the power play in that bumper spot. And it's just been, it's been a treat to watch him and grow as a defender and an all around player on this team. And, you know, he's, he's thrived in the position that the coaching staff has put him in. It's been amazing and good on him because he's had a tremendous year. First round pick of the Philadelphia Flyers, and he's somebody that the Flyers are absolutely loving right now. Before we close out, as the Knights head into three games in four days, we had a chance to catch up with somebody who played for the London Knights when their playoff streak began. He was on that very first team, and 23 years or 23 playoff years later, remember there were two OHL playoffs that were canceled because of the pandemic. So now 25 years later, Rick Nash still has connections to the London Knights. And Rick was certainly in the area after Logan Hunter passed away because those two have been incredibly close since meeting as members of the London Knights. Here is Rick Nash talking about Logan Hunter. He and Logan entered the OHL as 16-year-olds together in 2000. Yeah, we came in same time and ended up living together for two years and, and became brothers um, pretty fast. You know, obviously both getting drafted in the in the same draft. Um, you know, there was a there was a bond there that uh, that I'll cherish forever. There is a story that he would line up on faceoffs and he would point out your number 61 and would say, you know what, if you want to get anywhere near him, you got to go through me. And then you got to go through a couple other guys on the bench, two, three and, and two, four. Do you ever remember a face off where he would talk like that? Well, yeah, I'm sure he was probably, and you probably have a better memory than I do at this stuff, but Sean McMorrow and possibly Andy Burnham, um, you know, we had those two guys playing and, the funny thing with Logan is, is obviously he was he was one of the hardest workers that I ever played with, um, you know, on the ice, and and he was always like a a brother sticking up for me, and and the uh, you know the fun part is he was the same way off the ice, and and you know it's it's a tough time for a sixteen year old to come to London and and adapt to living with a new family to uh, go into a new high school, and the one thing I can say about Logan is. Uh, you know, he always had my back personally, but he always had the team's back. And he was the, uh, you know, the ultimate competitor, but the ultimate teammate as well. Well, that's that's the highest praise anybody can get. And you guys went through some wild times. I mean, I'll pull out the stats for this one, but going to the end of the season, you were in that position where in order to make the playoffs in your rookie year, the London Knights had to win three games in a row. And you think, well, that's tough. I don't know if we've won three games in a row all year. But also the Kitchener Rangers had to lose four games in a row. And then you go back and you look at the stats. And and he had a goal in that first game against Sarnia to help you win. And then you go to Sault Ste. Marie and you win 6-5. And, and then in the game where you absolutely had to win, where it came down to if Kitchener wins and London loses, you make the playoffs – Logan Hunter's a guy setting up the game-winning goal, so he he was able to rise up in, in big times, wasn't he? Well, you know what's, what's interesting about that is, is what you first said about Sarnia. I, I always remember those battles, um, you know, to this day, and, and Logan's battles with Reggie Thomas, and, and some of those games were, were such tight, uh, such great atmospheres and, and tight scoring. Um, 
back to Logan, you know, he, he was that type of player. And it's funny now as I, as I, you know, move into a front office and, and you kind of see how you want to build these teams and what kind of players you want. And you need those character players that Logan was, um, you know, he showed up in those playoff atmospheres or there, those, uh, those situations where you needed to win. You knew that you could count on a player like Logan to, uh, to you know, to, to play in the trenches, to play in the corners, to go to the net, to go to the hard areas. And it was it was fun for me to watch, to be honest with you. But some of our best times were, you know, going home after those games and sitting on the couch and, and watching TV and, and talking about, you know, the stretch run that we had that year and, you know, the next year taking down Plymouth in the playoffs. But, um, you know, Logan, Logan was that competitor on the ice and, and he was the exact same person off the ice. He was obviously a hardworking guy back on the farm. Um, you know, it's, it's just, uh, I truly feel like I was lucky to know him and he had such an impact on my career and my work ethic moving forward. Rick Nash joining us from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Rick, you mentioned that run the next year where you do the improbable. What does that do for development as players when you're given the improbable of you're an eight seed and you're up against a number one seed and nobody's giving you any kind of chance and you find a way to win? Yeah, well, I think everyone kind of checked us out of that one. I think they even had a uh, top CHL ranking, uh, you know, not only in the OHL. Um, but, you know, to, to go to battle with some of the guys that, that we had and, and to, um, you know, put out the number one team in, in the West was, was incredible. And, you know, as your hockey career goes on, those are moments that you never forget. You you never forget playing in the ice house and, uh and getting those crazy rivalry games, um, whether it's Sarnia or, or Kitchener or having Guelph come in. And, and then in, into the playoffs, the atmosphere was incredible, as I'm sure you remember. But, uh, you know, that, that did a lot for, for me personally, that series. And, um, you know, I owe that to guys like, like Logan that kind of raised my draft stock and, and, and uh, you know, catapulted my, my career. So those are those are fond memories that um you know we we never forget about and and Logan and I still talked about those uh those memories to uh you know a few weeks back so many players still laugh about the fact Chris Hool had bruises on the backs of his legs as the goalie for the Knights cuz there'd be a fourth rebound he'd find a way to save it but he was so far out of position trying to save it he might be backwards in the net yeah, you know what? It was uh, it was an amazing run. Um, obviously, it was it was uh, kind of the start of what the uh, the hunters have done in London, and uh, you know I, I I'm comfortable calling it a dynasty of a, of a junior organization that they put together, and it was fun to be be part of that, and um, you know especially to keep in touch with some of those guys like Chris and. Uh, you know, and obviously Logan was a big was a big part of that. So it's um, it's cherished memories, Mike. I'll I'll tell you to to this day. Once I'm you know long gone from from London, I I still think about that. You and so many of the guys were able to to make it back for Logan's funeral and and all of the memorial moments that came with it. Yeah, you know what? It was um, obviously an unfortunate uh, circumstance for all of us to uh, to be together. But uh, you know what kind of guy Logan was, and you would know he would want us there to uh, to celebrate him um, as hard as it was in the time. Um, you know, we talked about a lot of our Logan memories and you know what he meant to us uh, personally. So, you know, it's 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 tough times and. Um, you know, we, we got to make sure we're, uh, you know, we're there to support his family as they have tons of people to support them. But, uh, you know, to make sure we create, uh, you know, Logan's legacy and then make sure, 
his um you know his his kids his kids will know for sure what kind of guy he was um you can already see it with with uh, his little ones but um bad times and and logan's going to be missed we're talking with rick nash of the columbus blue jackets rick before we let you go let's talk a little bit about your career now that has moved into like you say more of a front office role being back in columbus how is that yeah, you know what? It's been good. It's been fun learning a, a different side of the game. And, you know, it's it's already been almost five years now that I've been out or four years and, and just uh, learning the front office side and, you know, doing some player development, um, you know, and, and funny enough, I would still text Logan quite a bit for, for little tips or, or what he's seeing, you know, in different games or if he's going to some junior games to see our guys, um, you know, and then I'm coaching my uh, my kids team when I have time and, me and Logan would exchange practice plans from from his kids' team. So, you know, things things are good for me uh, personally in Columbus, but um, you know, it's still uh, some of those cherished times that uh, that will be missed. Rick, really appreciate you taking some time to speak with us. All the best. Hey, anytime for you, Mike. Former London Knight and back with the Columbus Blue Jackets in their front office, Rick Nash, to close out this edition of The Night Shift. Episode 110 on episode 111. We will have it come out probably the day after Family Day, after the Knights have finished their three games in four days. They take on the Sioux Greyhounds. And before that game, we're going to see Hall of Fame inductions for Jim McKellar for Mark Mathot and for Billy Carroll into the Don Brankley London Knights Hall of Fame. And we'll look forward to that. And you can go back right now and hear conversations with all three of them in previous editions of the Night Shift. So if you want to hear some stories from Jim McKellar, Mark Mathot, and Billy Carroll about playing winning championships, all the things that they have done, putting teams together, all of those are there. And Kyle will recap the next three games, and this is going to bring us closer and closer to the start of the postseason. We're a little under six weeks away. We'll be ready to go, but one thing we do know is for 23 consecutive seasons, the London Knights will be there. As uh, you heard from Mike, you can follow along with the podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can give us a review whenever you'd like as well, and follow us on social media at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D, and at Stubbs980 with two Bs. Uh, Mike, thanks as always, and uh, enjoy the weekend. We'll talk next week. Sounds good.